We've got another episode free of any coronavirus talk for you today, all recorded before any of this came down. So uh, enjoy the lack of coronavirus. Good morning, marketers, and welcome to the If You Market podcast. We are the only podcast that markets the shit out of it. We're brought to you by Mountaintop Data. I'm your host, Sky Cassidy, and today we'll be talking with Brian McMahon. I always get people's sometimes first and last names, right? I think I got Brian there, but we'll see about the, uh, the last name. He's the head honcho at Expert Dojo, and we're going to be talking about startup marketing for success versus unicorn building. Uh, Brian is the owner of Expert Dojo, like I said, the head honcho over there. They are the largest peer-to-peer startup peak performance academy in the world, and he's, uh, he's worked with over 500 early-stage startups providing investment, uh, foundation, showcasing influence, and community. Uh, Brian, thanks for jumping on the show with us today. My pleasure. Great to be here. So how did I do on the last name there? It's C- You're pretty close. I get called a lot worse than that, even when I'm at home. Fantastic. Uh, can you say it once for me, just so the audience doesn't doesn't. Uh... But you know, I think back in the day, it used to be McMahon or something like that, out of the old Irish. And then over time, people just got tired and just said, "Just call him McMahon." <laughs> McMahon. Yeah. Oh, funny. If it came easier. Ah, <laughs> uh, okay. You just yeah. Some people call me Scott because uh, Sky is just too difficult for them to wrap their heads around. And I, I yeah, like- I got some buddies from other countries. Some of our startups actually from other countries, and they're like, just call me Al. But there's <laughs> 470 letters after Al. But they're like, just right. Al. <laughs> yes, I work with some Steves out of India. I think uh, <laughs> yeah. a lot of that. Sometimes I say, "Can what's your real name?" I feel weird calling you by this stage name, kind of. Yeah, and then they tell you the real name, and you're like, "Okay, Steve, thanks." So a lot. back to Steve we go. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, fantastic. I, I want to. So I want to get into this topic of uh, startup marketing for success and versus the unicorn. I think that's kind of a fascinating. Uh, approach you guys have and subject here. Before we do that, let's dig into you a little bit and into Expert Dojo. Um, your past, you worked at Regis um, or a consultant for Regis. Then uh, you were, had a company, your, uh, your office agent in the early to mid 2000s. Um, made me think of, uh, of WeWork a bit thought you might have yep. some, some thoughts on that and then you progressed on to pay it forward labs which seemed like a maybe a precursor precursor to expert dojo absolutely so i guess uh without painting over all that too fast um your office agent can you give us a quick thought on uh, on we work maybe and what's going on with them these days yeah i mean look we saw we work coming five years ago four years five years ago none of we say see it coming we a lot of what i'm gonna talk about today speaks to the current situation within venture capitalism. Um, and the challenge we have is that we believe we live in a capitalist society, but we don't. We actually live, I'm going to call it a, a venturist society. So a like, venture capitalist society? Yeah. We, 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 <laughs> what a venturist society is, if, if capitalism is the standard that we like to measure ourselves by, and socialism is the terrible that we never want to go to, then Ventureism is worse than socialism. Now, why do I say that? Because take a company like WeWork. The fundamentals are fine with WeWork, by the way. They take off a space. They rent the space, I'm sure, at $10 a foot. Then they make it really pretty. They make smaller spaces. And then they rent out those smaller spaces at $80, $100, $120 a foot or something around there. So there's a margin upside by making big spaces which have got nothing in them, into small, pretty spaces. Now, they obviously have a lot more cost, which means that they've got receptionists and they've got to pay for furniture and they've got to pay for the utilities and everything else. But generally speaking, the model is very standard. 30% is the cost of your office rent. 30% is the cost of your utilities and bits and pieces. 30% maybe staff. And then your upside generally is the services you charge. And normally that gives a margin for a good company of about 30%. Like that's how a company should work. You bring in revenue, you make profits. The challenge when you go for venture-ism is that the venture capitalists have got no interest in you making profits. So what they will encourage you to do 
is to spend as much money as you possibly can, as quickly as you possibly can to acquire users. And in many cases, as we've seen with WeWork and with many other companies that have come from some of these venture capitalism uh, firms, is to the detriment of great entrepreneurs building businesses who have been pushed out by these venturism entrepreneurs who don't have to make money or make profits. So we work we're losing billions. I mean, losing billions of dollars every single year. And but growing of, in value massively. In growing, growing in value by multiples of 10 times. And all of your listeners here will not understand that because it doesn't make any sense. The reason behind it is the same principle behind any great Ponzi scheme which is that it's not about building something of value. It's, and I'm not saying WeWork or a Ponzi scheme. I'm saying the venture capitalist system is a Ponzi scheme. Right. Is that you don't have to build great value in something. What you have to do is convince more people that you're building great value in something. Right. So that's how the, the capital value series. And then what, what's supposed to happen at the end is that the great unknowing public will then have this IPO, this initial public offering, this company that goes to market, and all of these smart investors offload all of their overpriced and shitty shares to an unwitting public who think they've got really smart because they read three or four articles in a newspaper, right? That's the system that we're in today, which is kind of a sad state of affairs. So we work being valued at $40, $50 billion. When you compare them to someone like Regis, who have great profits, 20, 30, 40 times more locations, a far better business model, far better revenue model, a far better risk model, better, 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 was valued 10 times less. So it's a joke, but it's right. the world that we live in. But I mean, luckily with WeWork, it fell apart before they pulled it off, kind of. But that was pure luck. People looked at, right. It was pure luck. Luckily, look at luckily, the other firms. Look at no. the other firms. Look, if you look at the unicorns that we have right now, and a unicorn is a company that's valued over $1 billion, which is still in private hands. Once it becomes public, it goes, becomes a public company. So when somebody talks about, hey, it's a unicorn, it means it's over a billion dollars and it's in private hands, right? Look at the majority of unicorns that are out there. And when I say majority, I'm talking over 95%. They all lose money. Right. It seems like they're flat out saying it in the name. They're not saying, here's an amazing uh, stallion. It's a unicorn. Like, yeah, this doesn't really exist, but we're going to sell it to you that it exists. Is, so that, I mean, is, that the, is this like the fake it till you make it uh, mantra of startups taken to the extreme to where it's emperor wears no clothes, to where it's a Ponzi scheme? And then are they hoping that once they make it, they can fill in on the back end and everything's okay? Or you ever see you ever see that fall great, apart. you ever see that, that you ever see the um, the Netflix show Newsroom? I don't think I have. So new, Newsroom, there's a, a newscaster in Newsroom, and then there's one a may, very famous clip. I should have said yes and there. No, 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 it's good. <laughs> I'm going to explain it anyway. A lot of people won't have seen it, but everybody should see it because there's a, a young sorority girl who stands up in an audience, and there's a bunch of news folk in front, and she says tell me what makes America great. And all of the usual people in the panel say it's great because of this and it's great because of that. And this one particular person who's the, the focus of the show, after a while gets to the point and says, America is not great. And then he lists out all of the reasons why America is not great, like number one in incarceration. Like, oh, oh, uh, Careful, you got an accent. You're saying like, America's not great here. Uh, <laughs> yeah, but, but, but here's where he gets to in the end. He gets to but it used to be, it used to be great. We used to have a place that was based on ideals. It used to be a place where we could leave our front doors open. It used to be a place where we trusted our neighbors. It used to be a place where we didn't have to worry about Ponzi schemes. And it can be again. But for us to fix a problem, we have to recognize there's a problem in the first place. Now, American startups were the greatest startups on the planet. No buts, no ifs, no anything else. The greatest startups on the planet. That's how America became the greatest and biggest and most powerful company in the world. However, look at the amount of inventions that came from the United States. It's oh, the Wright brothers, everything. Like what was done in this country up to about 30, 40 years ago is 
off the charts. Unrivaled will never be matched again. But here's what's happened because of venturism. Israel have always been better than us, right? But that's okay because they're our friends. So we don't <laughs> mind that so much because they've been supplying a lot of that technology to us. Forget about China copying our, our software. Like, who, you've got to be on mind hallucinating drugs to think that China are still copying us. They passed us out on technology five <laughs> years ago. You go to Beijing or you go to any one of the major cities in China and the technology they have is maybe five to 10 years ahead of ours. We need to start copying China. You look at India. What I'd say on that though is the, what, and I've seen other countries wonder, how do we have such a good startup atmosphere here? How do we keep coming up with innovation? I think we still have, China doesn't have, and what we do is a system that encourages and allows it. That, that, um, I don't agree. No, you're saying it's broken, but I think compensates it because so many other countries, they're wondering, you know, how do they have these, these Silicon Valleys and these Silicon beaches and all these areas with this amazing startup culture? And it's really a lack of corruption that allowed it early on in the U.S., I think, versus other countries. Yeah, for sure. If you make something good and put it out on the market, somebody isn't going to show up and say, you got to give me that now. So listen, I, I just, okay, I'm going to fight you on a few things here because the podcast is always more fun when I fight, when, you, when we have a little bit of a fight, right? Number one, we got more corruption here than China could dream of. Like we invented corruption here. You just have to go into Silicon Valley and watch where the hundreds of millions of dollars go to. You just realize we're better at it than elsewhere. Now that doesn't mean that it's fair for the average American. Actually, it's become unbelievably unfair for the average American, which is part of the problem that I'm speaking about. Sorry. Like we don't abuse little kids, okay? So ours is not as newsworthy as theirs. But and when I say abuse, I mean, have them working in shops and that kind of stuff, right? right? But we don't abuse our workers and people have got workers' rights. But do we abuse money? Yeah. Why do you think the 0.0001% have stayed as insanely rich as they are? Why do you think the poor folk in America have got more poorer? Why do you think the Delta's got bigger because actually everything is more expensive? Yeah, we, 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 we invented corruption. Like We made corruption. And that's not in itself a problem. The problem is recently, because what's happened is it's not, it's, not a, it's not a bad thing for it to be some unfairness in the system, right? There should be inherent unfairness because somebody's dad worked harder. I'm down with that. Right. What shouldn't happen is that the system becomes so biased that the little guy cannot break through because everything is controlled by the tiny proportion of people. So China actually last year, you want to do an exact measurement? China equals, for the very first time ever, the amount of unicorns that America had. You want to hear another thing? Those boys and girls in Silicon Valley, they may have American flags on their back, but they are putting as much money into Chinese companies, or at least were putting it into Chinese companies, as they were American companies. And they will desert and leave this country in 30 seconds if there's an extra dollar to be made somewhere else. That's interesting. I mean, when you talk about China, I've read some stuff recently about um the exact issue you're talking about of these fake companies, basically companies faking their, they seem to do it much more extremely over there. And then we have these mechanisms built into our market where they had have and had been able to create a fake company there that isn't actually doing what they're saying they're doing and then get it, you know, buy a company here and uh, a small public company and then be on the stock exchange with this supposedly large profitable Chinese company when they aren't really doing anything they say they're doing. Yeah, and listen, I, I want like to preempt a criminal version of faking it till you make it, kind of. May, maybe. So listen, so I'm not. I'm going to talk in a second why I hate fake it till you make it, and why I just think we should be how we used to be. I'm like a cranky old guy. So I, I believe truly, I am the most American person in venture capitalist, right? And I believe I'm the most American because a, I'm proud to live here and I'm proud of what we do, and b, I want to fix this shit. Like I don't want us to continue as it was yeah. before. And I'm not afraid to have a conversation about it. And I would and I say wanna, to back I, you up, some people say, hey, you've got an accent there. What do you mean you're the most American? That's, those people were born here. They weren't, weren't, you came here by choice. So you had an option. You yeah. had to yourself and, and you, to come here. You that also, makes you more American. Yeah. And, and also because, look, we all came here from somewhere, right? Everybody came here. Like everybody has an, an Irish, you know, granny or granddad or great granddaddy or an Italian or a French or an English. Like everybody came. That's what makes America beautiful is that we're a melting pot of the greatest in the world 
but we're a melting pot of the greatest in the world who came here because we wanted to work and we wanted to make a difference. And like and you said, again, you wanted to be able to have your kids have a better life because you worked hard um, versus the corruption I talk about in other countries where it doesn't matter how hard you work, you're in a caste system and you can't work your way through. And then you were addressing that a minute ago where you said, well, we're getting to the point where maybe people can't anymore. You might yeah, but it's, it is changing. So big where that American dream is, sorry, if you're born poor, you maybe you, you still can, but it's like a lottery ticket. Um, it's not, you don't have the opportunity you used to, which, which it really is the American dream to work hard and have a better life. Um, so sorry, I, I kind of rolled over. You were saying that how much you hate the fake it till you make it um, mantra, I think. Yeah, and, and, and I'll, look, so two things. Number one about China. I, we're an accelerator in Southern California. So we invest money in companies that are American companies. Um, and we will take companies from outside and we will bring them to America and we will force them to create an American headquarters because we believe that what made America great at the beginning was the rebirthing of America. And what will continue to make America great is to bringing in the brightest and the best from around the world and create great companies that become American companies that then employ hundreds of thousands of American people, right? That's the idea of what's supposed to happen. And we were approached by China to open up an accelerator in China and we declined. And we were offered millions of dollars to open up a free, free money. For those of you who are listening, there were just some inverted commas, I just put my fingers. But free money to go to China and I was offered back pocket money to actually do the deal with them. And we turned them down and we turned them down because we don't agree with how they treat their people. And we're not crazy about them as a country. Okay. So, so they was, wanted to buy your credibility basically. Yeah. And, uh, corrupt it. Yeah. A couple of years back. Right. And we, we said no. So we were, we were very happy with that, but I just want to acknowledge here what's happening. Like this venture, ventureism, venture capitalism can, if done wrongly, be an evil everywhere. Like if we look at Enron, what you just described to me about China is Enron. Like that was Enron right. 30 years ago. And by the way, we've had many Enrons. They've just gone away quietly, right? Mm. I mean, if we look even in the news, the other, if we or they pulled up, it off. I mean, Enron only got caught. You're right. It was like WeWork. It was luck, really, that they got busted. Yeah, they just got, they just got caught. But if you look in China, there are actually some of the companies in China, like Tennyson, these guys are beasts. And I mean, there's nothing fake about these companies. Or if you look at TikTok or you look at any of the companies that are breaking through right now, TikTok may be the first ever global company. They may become the most valuable company in the world and they've managed to straddle multiple continents, which most companies can't do. Interesting. So, I hope not. I find them annoying. But so uh, I, I actually haven't used it yet. <laughs> Back to the fake it till you. I have kids, so I've, I've seen it much more than I'd like to. The fake, uh -huh. I have a thing um, in my kind of rules for success where I say, I don't like fake it till you make it, but I understand kind of putting out a better look, being optimistic with what you project. And so I always say anything over, fake it till you make it up to 10% is fine. But once you get past 10% faking it, it's no longer faking it till you make it. Now it's fraud. Like there is a line you cross where you're no longer putting out a happy image of what your company is, which you should, you're just committing fraud at that point. Yeah. That's kind of what we're talking about here. Yeah, yeah. We put together a, a program for our companies because I'm, I'm not a person who likes to just complain about a situation and say things are terrible, it can never change. I believe we can become the greatest country for entrepreneurship on the planet again. And I believe it can happen within the next 20 years. But I also believe it will only happen if we encourage our folks, our startups and our kids to understand the fundamentals of entrepreneurship as our forefathers did and actually make it really good. So what does that mean? It means really understanding branding, really understanding product fit, really understanding the user experience of the customer. Like think AKA Nike. Like what, why do we buy Nike shoes? They're probably the same as TJ Maxx. They probably come from the same factory. I buy Nike shoes because I know for a fact that if I get into those Nike shoes, I will run faster because they have made me think that, right? <laughs> That's great branding. Our Tom's shoes. Why do I buy Tom's shoes? Because I'm helping the world while wearing awesome, cool shoes. Why do I pay a thousand bucks for a Mac computer rather than $400 for a Microsoft computer? Because I look sexier, because I look more intelligent, because I'm a better technologist, even if I'm not. This is what made America the greatest entrepreneurship place in the world because we were able to create brands that nobody else could create. So brand and product fit are lost arts 
that need to be refound again. Now, based on a foundation of having a great product with the right brand, we now need to build our influence level. And building our influence level, I believe, comes from a place of authenticity. And that place of authenticity means, you know what? I am Brian McMahon. I am launching an accelerator. I am not going to pretend to you that I know everything about what makes a, a successful startup. But what I am going to say to you is, I'm going to friggin' find out everything it takes to have the most successful startups in the world. And then when I do that, I promise you I will be authentic in the revolution that I'm starting with the folks that I believe that are harming this. Now, if you like that journey, you jump in line, you come with me. If you don't like that journey, then fuck off somewhere else. Full disclosure, everybody, Brian is not launching a startup or an incubator accelerator. He already has. Yeah. That was a, um, but that was my message at the start. Message, but it, yeah. it's important because if I pretend, as I should do, that I, have, that I am great at an accelerator and I'm great at startups, then I won't get the help and the skills that I need to fill the gaps that I don't have. What I have to be very authentic about, and I think you bring up a really good point, I have to be authentic about my skill level. I have to be authentic about what I have. I have to be passionate about what I want to achieve because that's what people will buy into. And I need to be optimistic about what I can achieve, but based on reality. And right. if I do that, I will not have short weather friends. I will have long term. That sounds like really hard work versus like just hiring Don King, making a bunch of promises that people won't find out you can't fulfill for 10 years. And then blowing your company out of the water because I have so much hype and people are so excited about my kind of soulless, heartless, gutless product, but they don't know it, that they're all going to jump on board with me. And then you're left sitting out there with, with nothing because you didn't, you didn't bullshit it up enough and you didn't you know, get on the carnival barker uh, stand and start yelling about how amazing you are. It's true. You bring up a good title. point. Like, so I have this philosophy. That but actually, can I just answer that point? Because you, yeah, yeah, cool. you bring up a really good point, right? So look, take our space. My, how do I see my role? I see my, my role as an evangelist for early stage startups. I want every kid to learn startup in school. I want us to have secret X-Men schools where our kids go to that they're like hidden away for years. They're like, we feed them and stuff, but, but they're <laughs> hidden away and they come out as these great, brilliant, phenomenal people who are happy and balanced and ready, and then they take over the world and start up, right? So I see myself in that space. However, Gary Vaynerchuk is what you described, but he's a great guy and he does really well. But here's what, our Mark Cuban is one of those other people who are just super uber famous, who do a right. similar type thing, but just communicate it really well on a global stage. There's right? more fake version. They actually have something behind them. There's 100%, 100%, yeah, I don't know. Exactly. I'm just talking about fame that they garnered through right. platforms that they use, through TVs or through books. But they're 100% real. I love those guys. But here's what happens. When you're authentic with your message, real people like that, they see that. And they want to be around you. And you end up getting to the same place. So yes, it takes longer. But if you stick to your mission, and you make sure that you go to as many places as you can and you're seen and you surround yourself with the right influence building people, then you will get there and you will get there and you will stay there for longer. You become the George Foreman rather than the Buster Douglas. Right, right. So you say you're, uh, would you say you're, um, you call it an incubator, incubator or accelerator? Accelerator. An incubator is when you take companies in yourself and you incubate them and you invest in them and you own most of the companies. An accelerator ah. is when we invest in companies and the CEO and founder owns that company. We take a small equity stake and support them. Right. So would you say that um, your accelerator is, you know, you build more uh, champion racehorses than unicorns, kind of. It's a lot more work it takes a lot more time, but you have an actual valuable product there at the end and a much higher rate of success than, you know, the, again, Don King, don't come after me, but the Don King hype building of uh, jumping on something and, and creating this quick, easy bubble kind of. Uh, yeah. So, so when you talk about using influencers, we will for our companies encourage them to use influencers, right? If it increases, like this is a marketing podcast. So anything that increases your influence level, whether it's you increasing it yourself or whether it's having outside influencers doing it with you, maybe they take a piece of your company, maybe you pay them. I love both. Honestly, I'm not, I'm not speaking against like building your influence level. I think you should do that from the very beginning. I'm talking about authenticity. 
Authenticity. Right. And so you're saying hype your company, just be authentic and actually yeah. have some value behind it. Um, it seems this, this philosophy that I've, I've had uh, been thinking about a lot recently um, of trying to change industries through competition, forcing basically companies within an industry to behave the way you want them to by coming in and saying, hey, we're going to start doing this. Yeah. We'll force all the other companies around us to do it also because it's a competitive edge basically. And it's a competitive edge because of the marketing of it, because we're going to bring, it's going to attract the customers to us because, you know, Tom's is giving away pairs of shoes. Um, you know, Nike has the, all the branding, but if, if you're in an industry where the large companies have practices that aren't in the best, um, they, they aren't in the best, for their customers, you know, they're really best for them. And people look at them and say, why are they doing this? I don't like the way this works, you know, customer service with your cable company, whatever it is, you know, taxi cabs and, and how nobody liked them. There's an opportunity then where you can look to say, rather than complaining about this industry, I can go into that industry and do what they're not doing in order to win the customers. Now, maybe your profit margins are smaller because you're doing that, whatever it is, but by by behaving properly within the industry, the way the customers would really like you to behave, you can then force everyone else to move towards that. Where it becomes important to what you were saying is, and, and what I was saying about hiring Don King versus doing that, you can still hire the influencer to get the word out. You still have to do all the marketing that's critically important, but having the behind it, there, there's an opportunity in a lot of these industries to step in and do something customer focused but you still have to succeed as a company. If you step in and say, I'm gonna do what's right in this industry and go out of business, you reinforce the companies that were behaving badly. Um, so I guess the whole point is the hype is not bad. Like you said, having influencers is not bad. You just actually have to have the value behind it also. So you still need to compete. When I was saying, I'm just gonna hire uh, Don King and put you out of business and take all the uh, customers. So what you're saying is you have to do the hard work. Or don't put words in your mouth, but what it's, I, I think you're saying is you have to do the hard work, create an actual valuable company, know how to do all this stuff, but you also have to then go out there and market the shit out of it to make sure you're getting the customers and your, your good company is going to succeed because create a quality product and doing things right is no guarantee that you're going to get the business. You still have to go out and market the shit out of it, which is the whole premise of our podcast. Yeah. Yeah. So let, let me give you very quick roadmap of what we tell our customers. And before I say that, we always say to, we say to our cohort, the folks we invest in. So we always say to people like, don't do what you love, do something that you can be great at, <laughs> right? Do something you can be great at. Now, if that's something you love, great, but do something that you can be truly, truly great at. And, and just like, if it's one word everybody should take away from this podcast, please, it's just authentic. Be authentic with your brand, be authentic with what you do, be authentic with your partners, build honest, good, close relationships with the people you want. The people who don't want to be your partner, then just tell them to go suck. And then the people who do want to be your partners, because I promise you, as you get successful, everybody will want to be your partner. So, and everything we do speaks to success, right? So you, you bring it up. So let me give you the roadmap that we have. My, my favorite number in the world is 12 million. And that's my favorite number in the world because that's how much it has been worked out that a person in a, in a first world country needs to live for the rest of their life happily, right? Can't have four or five wives or husbands, can't go doing stupid stuff. You got to stay off anything that's going to affect your focus. But $12 million will give you a happy, sustainable, great life for you and your family forever, right? So if you're smart, you will hook your claws on that number as young as you early as you possibly can be. And you will say, dude, what I'm going to do is I'm just going to get $12 million and I'm going to live a brilliant life. And while you're working your ass off for 80% of your life, I am going to choose the life that I want. And you are not going to do it with some bullshit four-hour work week or some, you can get rich tomorrow by investing in me, by some schlep who's pretending that they have a mansion that they don't really own, that they rented for the day just so they can. Anyway, don't even, I shouldn't even go down that road. But I've just be real. I've got to be a four-hour work week myself as a... Uh... As someone who owns a company, a, a book that seems to me to basically be training people how to commit fraud on their company so they can start a company on their side at that at their employer's expense. Yeah, I, I have a little bit of that seemed like a loophole book. I think that guy's great. He has a, does a lot of great stuff. He seems I agree. really smart, knows what he's doing. But that book seems like basically saying find a loophole to exploit your job 
I, I didn't like that message much. Yeah, just, just look, so build a great company. Build it young. If you're listening and you got kids, get your kids on this when they're 16, 17, 18, 13, 14, 15. Build it and look at one of two roads, right? Road number one is the venture capitalist road. Whatever I say about it, it's the world I live in, right? So it means that a company can grow to be 30, 50, 100, 200, 500 million dollars are worth more money. If you choose that road, you are choosing to sell your company the day you launch your company. And you will lose more and more equity in your company as you go along. And you will probably reach the end and you will have no more than single digit equity in your own company. And the high probability is that you will get fired and you will not mind, right? That is that road. And if you walk away with $20, $50 million of your own back pocket, you've had a great success. But if you go down that road, you better understand the rules. And the rules are, this is not about making revenue. This is not about making profits. It's the opposite. You need to lose as much money as you can, and you need to be the best fundraiser in the world. And you need to have a team that is pretty and attractive for all those nice and venture capitalist folks out there. They got to see the boys and girls nice and shiny, perfect for them, right? That's that road. The other road is, I'm going to build a great business. That's, my, that's the road that I want to get America back on again. That's the road of, I'm going to find a need in the market which is underserved or badly served. I'm going to create a product that does better than anybody else out there. I'm going to bring that product to market through phenomenal marketing, whether we use affiliate marketing or partnership marketing or influencer marketing or direct mail or social media or SEO or PP paid marketing. I don't care. You are going to build the greatest marketing funnel in the world and you are going to make money today. And tomorrow you're going to make more money. And the next money you're going to make more money. And every single day, all you're going to be working at is, have I got my revenue to close to $5 million? Because at $5 million, you're making money for you and your family. And you're also got a business that can be sold if you need to get it sold for multiple times revenue, which brings you to that $12 million mark. Now, that does not mean that you have to sell your company, but it means that you are not going day to day. It means that you are no longer a slave of what you do. But you have to make that decision before you start. And when you make that decision, you have to commit your entire life to this. This right. is the next five or 10 years entirely dedicated to building something that is nobody else will build. And you're doing it because you can Interesting. I feel like the quality company you're talking about building is probably more natural for people too. I mean, you get into a startup, you think you're going to build that, but the path you're being put down and they kind of, they conflict with each other. Maybe people didn't realize there were those two paths is the building a completely different company. Like you're saying that needs to look good and needs to present and you need fundraisers, not sellers and marketers and people to market the company and sell the company, not the product. Um, they're fundamentally, like you said, two different companies. And a lot of people may not realize that. They think they're building a quality company. That's an amazing startup and don't realize that those are two different things. Yeah. The unicorn and the stallion do not have the same, come from the same stable kind of. You're right. And honestly, the unicorn is unhealthy. It's unhealthy. Yeah. Like to build a company that, uh, of that type of level, plus it's a much bigger risk. You build a great Amazon company where you're buying stuff and selling stuff or you know, you're buying or selling, whatever your, your model is, like it's great because it's real and it's tangible and your risk is low. You're going to build an app. You're going to spend five, seven, eight hundred thousand dollars $800,000. And somebody might be on the podcast saying, hey man, I built it for $40,000. Yeah, but it was shit, right? Which meant you weren't going to be, so it's cool. You did really well. You were unsuccessful for less money, but it still yeah. would have been better to spend the 40 grand on a friggin' holiday. So yeah. it's yeah. a lot I've of been, I've lot been of unsuccessful for cheap before. It's not fun. Yeah, it's, and it's a, it's a very big risk, and it's extremely difficult. I want to take a quick break here. A lot more to cover. I feel like we just got into the intro here and then uh, went on a, a WeWork-inspired tangent that is actually exactly the topic of the podcast, so it all works out fine. So uh, you've been listening to the If You Market podcast. I have Ryan McMahon or Mac Mahone, however you want to say it, uh, the head honcho over at Expert Dojo. They are in a uh, startup accelerator doing things the right way. We're talking about startup marketing for success versus uh, trying to build unicorns. And we will be right back. VanillaSoft is the industry's leading sales engagement platform, but most people simply refer to it as the solution. It's the solution to ensure sales development reps make the right number of attempts for every lead rather than the usual two to three tries. It's the solution to ensure reps 
use more than just email. They use LinkedIn, they use the phone, they use it all. It's the solution to serve the next best lead. It reps over and over again. So they hit their activity numbers and you triple your pipeline. Check it out now at VanillaSoft.com. Welcome back to the Iffy Market Podcast. I am your host, Sky Cassidy. We are talking with Brian McMahon of Expert Dojo. Before the break, we covered a lot of stuff with the whole unicorn concept, building a solid company, a lot of kind of philosophical talk. We never really got to your your company, Brian. Sorry about that. But can you tell us a little bit about um, or a lot about what you guys do over there, what your philosophy is, and then how you execute it? Some kind of takeaways for the listeners. Okay, great. Yeah. So Companies Expert Dojo, we are an early stage startup accelerator. Now, what that means is that we find companies that we believe have the ability to scale. In our case, they don't need to scale to hundreds of millions of dollars. We're very happy if a company can scale to 10, 20, 30, 50 million dollars. It's a great result for us. We invest $100,000 into those companies because we recognize the company needs money to scale. You've started companies before and I have as well. So we both know it's very challenging when we're faced with a competitor that has access to unlimited funds, which is what I spoke about before, and you don't have any money. And you're like, dude, I could beat these guys. I just can't beat them with nothing. I can't beat them with air. So great companies get lost. So you mentioned previously about America being the greatest invention place on the planet. Like take the Wright brothers. The Wright brothers just had a little bit of money. They were Mm -hmm. not well-funded, but they had enough to be able to take an old rinkety airplane, which was just a couple of bits of wood, put it up in the air, and keep on crashing until they get it right. So if they'd had no money, it's very tough. So we see- They they actually had a well-funded competitor that was, I think, a member of the U.S. military was back, this other guy, and they ended up, because they had a little bit of funding, we got what we got instead of, you know, whatever, not as successful- um, results would have came out of that. So yeah, having, having the right companies get some backing to where they can succeed, to where they can market the shit out of it and actually get the word out. So right. Abs- on the best product and dying. Look, I can beat a bigger guy with a sword if I've got a knife. Not all of the time, but I got a chance. I can't yeah. beat him if I just have my hands. So the whole idea here is to give them a bit of gas in their engine so that they can go hard. And then what we do is we create an accelerator program which teaches folks how to build great businesses. And if you think about it, nothing else does that for us. Our schools don't teach us, by the way, they should. Um, Even the colleges are very theoretical about what we learn about how to build businesses. Like it's very I think well- you've got your next job. I mean, you already mentioned it, the X-Men School of Startups. <laughs> see that. <laughs> That'd be awesome. I want like a hat and all that kind of stuff. So we bring them through, <laughs> we bring them through an eight-week course. I like uh, what, what you want out of it is a hat. <laughs> <laughs> my, my, look, I'm a simple guy. My needs are small in life. Just give me a hat. And like give me a cool name and I don't need shit. So we bring them through an eight-week course. The first week is brand, 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 brand. We focus on the user experience. I'm a user experience freak. So I believe a shitty product with an amazing user experience will beat an amazing product with a terrible user experience every single day. So yeah, you got to market, but you got to look at what you're marketing. Let me market gold. Don't let me market gold, which is painted black. So I got yeah. to do it all day long. So anyway, so we work on within brand, obviously user experience, product fit, user interface, human centric experience, all those things. We want our folks by the end of the first week to make sure that they're not wasting their time. Second week, we kick directly into influence level. So we bring in folks, um, a guy called Ryan Foland, who I love. He's a great buddy of mine in Orange County, one of the top influence guys that I know. He will teach people how to explain their concept in three sentences, one sentence, three words. He'll teach them how to make sure that when they're speaking to people about what they do, people will understand their why, all that great Simon Sinek stuff. Mm -hmm. So he starts working and then he says, now we've got your messaging and your communication. Where do we do that? What stages do we take you to? What conferences do you speak at? How do we make sure that your blogs resonate that? How do we make sure that this brand messaging is across all the platforms? Next level, we start reaching on outreaching to outside influencers to see if we can, to your point before, speed up that whole influence level. Throughout it all, I just want to keep using the word authenticity because we keep saying to our startups, tell people who you are. 
At the end of the day, there is no such thing as a business. Everything is a human that manages whatever they call a business. And humans understand human emotion. Nobody likes being lied to. Nobody likes being cheated. And everybody wants to help if you give them a business reason to do it. So we bring them through influence level. Next week, we focus on marketing. We bring in one of the top marketing companies in the US and they teach them everything from affiliate marketing, partnership marketing, review marketing, email marketing, all of them. Boom, 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 boom. How do you build your blogs? How do you push them out? Who do you use for your social media? Following week then, we bring in an outsourced marketing company so we can allocate virtual assistance with these companies so we can start getting some vicious outreach done. Following week, we make sure their foundation is built. We put them with attorneys for their immigration, if it's immigration stuff. We put them with attorneys for their business formation, attorneys with their exit strategy, uh, attorneys with their patents, accountants to help build their cash flow, um, folks who are going to do their business strategy, business planning, pitch decks, presentations, everything. We want them perfect. And then the following week, we very much focus on their mindset. And throughout every single week, we're introducing them to another 10 investors who are all looking to invest at a later stage. So we're looking at our 100,000 as a springboard to them raising whatever, half a million or a million dollars. In short, we want to run them ragged. Like I want to Marines, I want them coming out at the end of it and they're wondering how they made it alive. And, and, and if you say to me like, our expert dojo, the greatest accelerator in the world, I would say, no, we're not proven yet. We've only been doing it for a couple of years. But I would say that we aspire to be. We aspire to create greatness within entrepreneurs. And look, we'll be judged in 10 years' time the way everybody else should be judged. But for today, you know, we're dedicated to learning. Our name, in the name of dojo, an expert is inherently implicated that there are no experts. There is no genius. There is no great accelerator. There's just hard work and grit and surrounding yourself with other people who are stronger than you are that can help lift you up to the next level. Um, and, that, and that's pretty much the course. And then once we finish that course, then they're incubated for life. So we bring them into the accelerator. They stay with us forever. They can work out of our space for as long as they want to work out of our space. We will continue to introduce them to people for as long as we can. We can't give them the one-on-one -on -one commitment that we gave them before to kind of the same level, but we're definitely with them all the way down the journey for as long as we can help them. Brian, I, I hate to tell you, but um, I think all you need is a hat. It sounds like you, you've already created the X-Men school for startups, kind of. Um, <laughs> we started. We need to Sounds see the like results. That's what you have. <laughs> yeah, we need to see the results. The results are everything. Measurement is like talk is yeah. cheap. Measurement is everything. So far, look, we have 42 investments in companies. Uh, we're going to invest in another 50 companies, I hope, this year, probably 30 at a minimum, 50 at a maximum. So we're putting hard cash into companies to launch them in America. Um, and we're looking for great companies to push them through. And I hope that we'll continue to invest in companies and build companies and help make them stronger as time goes on. You've said a lot of bad things about investors and venture people, but you must have some venture people. I'm a venture person. You're a venture person. Do you have other money coming in? And does that money see you guys as basically like they're a large movie studio, they're making superhero movies, and then there's some passion projects. Are you guys the passion project of some uh, venture people or is it all you? So I think it varies. It's an interesting question. When I first started Expert Dojo, uh, I had a buddy of mine say, why are you doing this? And I'm, I said, because it's a racist, elitist, uh, sexist industry that, that is destroying America one step at a time. And I, I want to be in here to see how I can help. And he said, well, if that's how you feel, you've got you to gotta do a major talk about that. And I said, well, I can't. If I do a big talk about that, then none of the other investors will talk to me. <laughs> and he said, well, that's exactly why you have to do it. A guy called JP Morgan, great, great, great guy. Mm -hmm. um, and so I did a TEDx talk called The Kidnapping of the American Dream, which specifically said that. It said that institutional investors, investment is, is absolutely 100% racist, sexist, elitist, and is destroying America. And I probably had about 50 friends. And so I, I'm, I'm saying it about me, right? And everybody else, because that's what I am. Right? I may mm -hmm. try to say I'm different, but it doesn't matter. I'm part of that industry. So as soon as I had that talk, I probably had 50 investor friends before that talk, and I expected to have zero after I gave it. And I probably had about 300 after I gave oh, it. Wow. And, I thought you were going to say you had five, and I was like, that's good. You only, you, now you have the right five. But, uh... No, they came to me. And what investors said is, which is really, it's a really interesting insight into, into how we think. 
is that they said, look, we don't wake up in the morning wanting to discriminate against people. We just wake up in the morning not wanting to be poorer than the previous day. So right. if you they're, give they're us, like, we're motivated by greed, not racism and discrimination. And but that's right. But, but in, in, a, in a funny way, we all are, right? We just right. All give in. We, we, we all, there, there's a whole gray area in the, from that morning when we wake up and we go to work to when we come home, all of us, whether we work for someone and we allow someone who's maybe not the nicest person to continue to be our boss because we need the money to pay for the mortgage. Like we're all there. If I, if I move away from my judgmental space, and say, what do we all do on a daily basis? Are we all pure as pure? No, none of us are, including me. Like we all got shit that we're not particularly happy that we did before or that we allowed to happen. So what they said to me was, make it easy for us. Find us a woman-led company that is an awesome company that we can, we can make money on. We, we can't be a nonprofit or we go bust. So get us a company, find us a great African-American company or somebody from a place where they're not particularly rich or someone, you know, find us those things. Well, so, are, are you worried that any of them are using you as their token good guy friend? Maybe. Like, I'm not maybe. a bad guy. Look, me and Brian are buddies. So I have, I can't, I'm not a bad venture guy. And, and by the way, there's other people doing what we're doing. Many people coming out. Backstage Ventures have invested in over 100, 150 startups. Uh, you've, got a, you've got a stack of really good VC firms. Uh, Jesse Draper, uh, Tim Draper's daughter, uh, Halogen is a fund which is focused on women founders. There is a huge amount of change happening right now. And people will still speak to the statistics and they will still speak to the problems there are on the higher level. And people are still right. But change is happening and it's going through. And, like, and I want to make the point. I don't go into the industry and people don't look at me in the corner and say, there's that investor that says those things. They say, look, dude, there's that guy. He like, speaks his mind. Right. He might be right. right. He might and be wrong. Back to the authentic thing. You're saying whether yeah. people like you or not, they can believe what you're saying is, is what you're actually, what, you, you, know, you mean it. You, you actually have that position. That's great. I mean, it, it seems like there's this weird... Um, catch 22 thing sometimes of people saying, Hey, I know I'm creating great, terrible content or something like that, but it's not my fault. This is what people are, you know, it's Hollywood saying, uh, you know, we, we don't have a whole lot of uh, varying roles in our movies, but we're just creating what the people are asking for. And people are saying, well, no, people are going to consume whatever you create. And they're like, well, no, people, we don't have that many black leading men because the, the you know, we're not racist. Basically the American people are. Yeah. We're just creating what they're asking for. And then that circle can just keep going around and around pointing fingers at each other. It's, and it's, and it's really, you're racist. <laughs> but you're right. You're a hundred percent right. And wasn't it interesting that the one feature film, the one movie that they came out was the most popular of all of them, the black Panther, right? That that was the one, one they took it. They took a chance was the most popular of all, but you're right. And individually, if you sat down with the producers who make those other movies, they would not seem like bad people. The majority right. of them, right? It's just they follow a script. So, look, the story of Expert Dojo has not been written. Will we make a difference in entrepreneurship in the future? I don't know. Will we back the winners or will we end up taking too many companies that didn't have a chance of being able to come through? I don't know. I just find this a really interesting time in life that I feel blessed that I'm part of it because it's when that there's the potential to bring great change within entrepreneurship. Um, and I would like to be one of the parties that's a positive part of that, but we'll see how it plays out. For right now, I just want to be surrounded by great people who are looking to build entrepreneurship and great investors who are looking to try and make money by backing the right people and make a difference in the space. Awesome. I'd say for people listening, you know, back to one of the themes we were talking on before, just because a company has the best product doesn't mean it's going to win. Uh, it's up to them to market the shit out of it, really get it out there so that people can choose, have the option to choose the best product. And you know, Brian's out there putting his company out there, trying to uh, to make these companies succeed, trying to make this model of investing in the right way and, and growing startups the right way succeed. And uh, if anybody has any way they want to contribute or help, I'm sure they can reach out to you. What would you say? I mean, I, I want to give your information out. I want to. Oh, give it out. That's okay. Here. Just Brian at expertdojo.com. That's fine. Anybody okay. can contact me anytime. And then the show notes will have your LinkedIn profile link, uh, the, the, all the contact information. I think you'd mentioned a, a TEDx. We've got a YouTube video that we'll link to. 
And then anywhere else that you want people to be able to find you, anything in particular you guys are looking for, type of people you'd like to reach out, anything like that? So look, if you're an early stage, if you're, an, if you're a startup in general and you're struggling with investment, we've got a cool podcast, which is just with investors and with startups. So listen to it. Uh, it's just, it's on the Expert Dojo site, the Art to Startup War. If you're an early stage company and you feel you've got a highly scalable company, you can apply in our accelerator. Just go to the front page, apply in the accelerator. You don't even need to talk to me. One of our guys will look through it and they'll give you feedback on it. Um, if you're in LA and you want to go to some events in the startup space, we always have a bunch of events and many of them are free and they're very welcome to get engaged with us. Um, and if you're a mentor and, a, and someone who's made it out the other side and you want to get involved with us as a mentor, then please reach out to me at my email. You know, we're looking for to build not a fluffy, let's hug a tree community. We're looking to build a beast community that's going to go out there and break some right. arms. I guess I, I make it sound uh, a bit fluffy when I'm like, hey, they're doing the right thing and they're nice. Help them out. Um, no, they're, they're looking to be brutal and win. Yeah, we're looking to punch people in the face, but we're looking to do it with a good reason. <laughs> Punch the right people in the face for the right reason. <laughs> Don't think we're soft here over at Expert Dojo. We got the word dojo right in the name. Yeah. Fantastic. I'll, I'll put a link to um, the podcast. Also, I know I subscribe to you guys' newsletter. You have a great newsletter, um, particularly around the, uh, the events and whatnot that uh, yeah, thanks, man. you guys put on. I'm here in the LA area myself, so I'm very familiar with that. Um, all right. Fantastic. Thank you for coming on, Brian. I want to uh, say to the listeners, please uh, give us a good review on iTunes. And on behalf of the If You Market team and Brian McMahon of Expert Dojo, thank you for listening to the If You Market podcast, where we believe if you market the shit out of it, they will come. Thank you. All right. The If You Market podcast is brought to you by Mountaintop Data. And at Mountaintop Data, we're all about data for B2B marketing. Our goal is to improve the quality, depth, and coverage of our clients' targeted marketing data while removing the technical pain of accessing and implementing data. We help with everything from new target contacts to appending and cleaning existing data, all with the goal to free you and your team up to focus on creating great marketing experiences. Check us out online at mountaintopdata.com and sign up for our new top data search tool and get free access to search our database of over 30 million business contacts. Use the code hashtag IYM when signing up and get 200 free credits. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com. Thank <laughs> you.